My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. And we're in quarantine still. <laughs> still in quarantine. But we have but we have some super exciting news. Yeah. Which uh, is totally quarantine safe. It's totally quarantine safe. Uh, yesterday, or I guess today officially, we have a website. We have a website. And it's beautiful. Our, uh, our producer, our stage dad, our favorite guy, our honorary Minuteman, <laughs> Mark, uh, set up a website for us. It's beautiful. It has our faces all over it. And you can learn more about us and listen to all the podcasts and see the sources for the podcasts, which is which is pretty nice as well. Yeah. Which, We're excited. Yeah. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah, you can finally check out all the sources. So, yeah, once you've finished everything on Netflix, once you've finished watching everything on YouTube, you can just, like, head over to minutewomenpodcast.ca and you can check out all of – you can download all the episodes from there. You can check out all the sources that we use. There's a little information about Linnea and I. So, yeah, it's super pretty. That's, I guess, the biggest point. It's <laughs> the most important pretty. thing to convey. <laughs> and from here on out, the website will kind of serve as the home base for the podcast. So all of our social media content from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of the episodes, you can find all of those things in the, the hub. So the website is minutewomenpodcast.ca, which, yeah, it's super exciting. Long name, amazing yeah, results. Absolutely. Long name, excellent results. <laughs> Do you want to get into this week's episode? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we learning about today? So this week, I thought we should do uh, something a little sweet, and oh. we're going to do the maple syrup heritage minute. Oh, with the tapping on the little the trees. tapping. Tap that tree. Oh, I haven't watched that one in a long time. I might I might have to go, you know, have to refresh. watch that after yeah. this. We'll always leave the link to the heritage minute in the bio of the episode, so yes. if you feel like watching the uh, heritage minute before we actually get into the content, you can go do that. But uh, for those who don't want to go watch it, it's essentially like it's a group of indigenous people tapping maple syrup trees, yeah. collecting the sap, and then a bunch of idiot European colonists like, yep. stumble upon them doing this. It's the like, white man. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, what are they doing? Is it some kind of ritual? Is it some kind of ceremony? And you can just like, ugh. it's just like indigenous people being like, God, these Europeans are stupid. Yeah. It's just like. How can we help them realize how you survive in this Eat. new world? Eat. Eat. So one of them goes over with like, yeah, they go over with like maple syrup that they freshly made on like a cup of snow and then yeah. they eat it and they're like, oh, wow, this is great. And then it's a woman writing back to France and saying like, we managed to make so much maple syrup this year. Thanks to our indigenous friends. So yeah. <laughs> it's definitely one of those heritage minutes that's like, look, Europeans and indigenous people got along super well. <laughs> yeah. Don't read into anything else. A part of our history. Part of our national history. And before we get into the episode, we have to revive the sorry segment because I have two apologies to make. <gasps> it's sorry segment time. Sorry segment time. 
So one is in advance because the episode we're about to do has a ton of French names and I have done my best to look them all up and figure out how to pronounce them, but I know I'm going to get them wrong. So that's just in advance. The second one is that in our previous episode, the Laura Secord episode, I mispronounced Fitzgibbon the whole time. I kept calling him Fitzgibbons. There's no S at the end. It's oh, just okay. <laughs> so for all of you War of 1812 nuts, uh, I apologize. And sorry to Fitzgibbon. R.I.P. R.I.P. Sorry to Fitzgibbon. So, yeah. Not Fitzgibbons. <laughs> okay. For this week's episode, I could tell you all about the technicalities of making maple syrup, but I think that's kind of boring. And also, I am not an expert on how you make maple syrup. So I thought it would be better if we delve into more of like a current situation, which is the Ooh, uh, current affairs. I'm current ready. Affairs, I'm excited. News. Um, I'm going to learn today. <laughs> we're going to talk a bit about the FPAQ which is the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. Um, They are essentially the organization that controls all maple syrup production in the province of Quebec, which currently has the largest uh, global stake in the maple syrup world market. That sounds like, can I just say that that sounds like a mob? uh, Yeah, the (laughs) Quebec media refers to them as the cartel of maple syrup. Oh my God. (laughs) So we're going to get all into that. But first... Let's talk a little bit about the origins of maple syrup and how we get to this point. (laughs) Okay. So the generic maple species is Canada's official emblem. It's on our flag. It's on our, well, it was on our penny. We don't have those anymore. Yeah. R.I.P. to the penny. (laughs) R.I.P. to the penny. Rest in penny. Ooh. There are over a hundred different species of maple trees around the world. However, only 10 are native to Canada. The sugar maple has become particularly coveted and renowned in Canada for the maple syrup industry. So that's maple syrup almost exclusively comes from sugar maples for probably a very evident reason is there's a higher content of sugar in the sap of those trees. Okay. Why? I don't know. The vast majority of sugar maples grow in eastern Canada and the northeast of the United States. Historically, the sweet sap of the sugar maple was valued by indigenous peoples, including the Abenaki, the Haudenosaunee, and the Mi'kmaq, long before the arrival of European settlers. Techniques varied among different groups on how you would actually collect the sap, but generally they all tapped the trees by cutting V-shaped patterns into the sugar maple's bark, or by inserting some kind of tube into the tree, which they show in the Heritage Minute, so they're like hammering in this kind of spout so they can collect the sap that's coming out which is still like at least maybe not commercially like the maple syrup cartel (laughs) but people around here like at their houses and stuff that's still how they do it yeah and it's that's such like a classic nova scotia field trip is to go to a sugar shack and watch (laughs) people make maple syrup and then you put it on some snow and then they let you eat it and they let you eat it yeah like i don't know about you but the elementary school I went to in Dartmouth, you could actually walk yeah. to a grove of sugar maples. And so we like just went on a walk and then we're like, oh, we're at a sugar shack. We're all going to get to try maple taffy. Yeah, they make you, they make a you the proud suckers. part of our national heritage. Yeah. <laughs> Which is literally just a little dollop of maple syrup and it's cold and they stick a stick in it and let you lick it. <laughs> yeah, it's right, right sticky. sticky. <laughs> right some sticky. Right sticky. Right some sticky. 
So the sap was collected in bowls, usually made of birch bark, and they were placed underneath the spouts so they could catch the really watery sap that emerges from the trees during the early spring when the frost is beginning to melt. The collected sap would then be made into syrup. I didn't know this. So there's two ways that you can make syrup. First of all, which is more common, you can boil it. So you boil the sap and that evaporates the water and eventually you're just left with syrup. But you can also freeze it. Okay. So you like freeze the sap and then that separates the sugar out from the water. And so then you just discard the ice and you're left with like syrup. That's cool. I know. We could do that. Yeah. We can we can make maple syrup. Do you we could be part sh- of the cartel. <laughs> I want to be a mobster. <laughs> Other uses of uh, sap uh, include curing of meats. So the Haudenosaunee would cook venison in the sap, and that's still reflected in culinary techniques of maple cured meats and fish. Um, maple curing was a food preservation method that allowed communities to keep food stored throughout the winter months. So it's a very practical good for Indigenous peoples. So when colonists arrive in the New World, they are entirely unprepared for the new climate and the new conditions. So a lot of the practices that Europeans bring with them just aren't applicable in the new world that they're living in. So they don't know how to do anything. And useless. they really are. Like a lot of the early stories are just like, we didn't know how to do anything. And then indigenous people taught us basically how to survive. <laughs> yeah. So one of the survival techniques that indigenous people teach Europeans is how to make maple syrup. Indigenous people showed them how to tap trees, which trees to tap, and then told them when the best time of year for tapping was. The Royal Cosmographer of France André Thévet, he wrote to the French government and explained how explorer Jacques Cartier drank maple sap during his Canadian voyages. So one of the earliest European explorers of Canada loved maple syrup. (laughs) Chugged that maple syrup. This just happened in a, shoot, I forget the tournament. It was a recent tennis tournament. And one of the Canadian athletes, he, uh, he was sitting on the side during a game and he was drinking maple syrup and then afterwards he was getting interviewed and he was like yeah I I didn't even think about it at the time you know I just really like maple syrup and I always take it with me and I'd run out of my little energy packs and I was like oh I'll just drink some maple syrup and people really loved it you know I'm from (laughs) Canada they thought it was so funny that I'm just drinking maple syrup I didn't even realize it was a thing until afterwards that'd be kind of gross I think it'd be disgusting but those Honestly, this are is going to make me sound really un-Canadian. It's not that I don't like maple syrup. Wait, wait, wait. I do find it, it's a lot sometimes. It gets very, like, I don't like herbal. maple syrup either. <gasps> We're Did we just be become together. best friends? <laughs> We're best friends. We're best friends. I, it's funny. I like maple flavored things Same. for the most part. Like those, those maple cookies that are like, oh, yeah. Oh, they're like a sandwich cookie. They're kind of like a way better Oreo. Yeah. But, like, pure maple syrup on, like, waffles. No, thank it's, you. It's just a little too much. Give me some Aunt Jemima. <laughs> give me crap. Yeah. <laughs> I just want processed garbage. Do not exactly. give me anything that's good. <laughs> I want sugar. I don't want anything from a tree, thank you. Even though sugar is from a sugar cane. But whatever. That's I don't want to touch point. trees. So, 
getting back to the Europeans, by 1680, a lot of European settlers and fur traders were becoming involved in the harvesting of maple products, and they could sell it for a fairly high price because it's kind of a novelty. So if you sold right. that back in Europe, it's like, oh, wow, how exciting. It's also a cheaper way for them to get sugar compared to having to ship cane sugar all the way from the West Indies. Right. So previously, especially for British uh, settlers, because I believe the West Indies is still controlled by France at this time, so it would mean having to try and negotiate with the French. I also learned that maple syrup was a product that a lot of abolitionists liked during the abolitionist movement because oh. cane sugar requires slave labor to produce during this period of time. Sure does. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> maple syrup was like a abolitionist-friendly alternative to cane sugar, which huh. was kind of cool. Fun fact. That's cool. That's a fun fact. So Europeans also modified a little bit of how you produce and collect sap or produce maple syrup, I should say. Every spring, maple sugar parties would form and go off into the woods. So you're going off into the forest. Okay. They would bore holes into sugar maples and insert spouts. Europeans would use a tool called an auger. Do you know what an auger is? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's just like a drill bit, essentially. They would use wooden buckets that would be hung on the spouts to collect the sap. So that's like basically what they still do today. Right. Like if you went to a sh- any... That is the thing about maple syrup is that you, it's hard to industrialize the production of it. Right. Because you do just genuinely need to go out to every tree, tap it. Like you can't yeah. get a machine to do that for you. So it keeps... Well, I don't know. Maybe the maple syrup cartel can, but the, <laughs> but the rest of us can't. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it, ugh, anyways, it's just so bizarre. So the buckets are quite heavy, so often you have to mount those full buckets of sap onto some kind of sled for draft animals to pull. And then it's all put in one central collection point at a sugar shack where it's boiled down. So right. it's it's modified a little bit from when indigenous people would do it, but it's mostly like you commercialized it and you tried to make it bigger, not change the techniques all that much. Right, which is surprising because our history seems to be usually that we start doing something a way that doesn't work for a while until we go back to the original way that actually was useful yeah. and did the job properly. So it's kind of nice to see that it doesn't change the history of it, you know, that it stayed and it's the original workings of how maple syrup was made. Yeah, it's still like independent farmers for the most part having to go out and collect sap. Um, Right. So, I mean, you do have changes in the sense that you industrialize the tools that you use, like you're not going to be using wooden buckets anymore. And you're also going to modernize some of the techniques that you're using to produce the maple syrup, especially because the boiling process of sap is apparently takes it takes a really long time and it's pretty labor intensive because I believe you have to really closely watch it before you actually can turn it into syrup. Like there's a certain grade that your syrup has to reach before they can legally sell it. And so you've got to make sure it hits that sweet spot. Hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but The maple syrup industry has modernized not only in the way that they produce maple syrup, but also on the business side of things, dictating how maple syrup gets sold. And this is especially true in Quebec. So today, after... I was just going to say, 
What is maple syrup sold as? Is it like a food product? Oh yeah, I think so. like. Or is it sold as like a specialty product? I don't know. I like what it gets categorized as. I mean, I think it's yeah. just a food product, um, and it definitely okay. has to pass like any kind of regulations that a food product would have to pass. Right. Uh, especially if you want to go commercial and be in grocery stores and stuff, because you have to of have course. a certain quantity of sugar to ensure that it's not going to go off. Oh, uh, um, yeah, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So in the 1990s, there was this rapid growth in the maple syrup industry, and Canada <laughs> okay. in 2016 produced more than 80% of the world's maple syrup, which That's represents crazy. 73 million kilograms of maple syrup. <laughs> The vast majority of this comes from the province of Quebec. That's wild. Yeah. It's just so silly to me. It's just maple syrup. (laughs) People love it. People love it. And it's so iconically Canadian. Like, I will tell you that I bet half of that goes to Walt Disney World at the Canadian Pavilion in Florida. (laughs) Because it's literally a bunch of people in plaid wearing like doe skins and and just carrying around jugs of maple syrup you know that that is the canadian Which pavilion and there's a couple accurate. totem poles and and then there's a couple totem poles strewn Ooh. around and like hockey sticks hockey sticks <laughs> that's that's the canadian pavilion so the vast majority of maple syrup comes from the province of quebec right it's the world's largest producer Uh, with 70% of the global production market coming out of Quebec. Canada exported more than $362 million worth of maple syrup in 2016. And as of 2016, Quebec has 7,300 producers working with 13,500 farmers, collectively making 30 million liters of syrup. So it's a pretty big industry. So the 30 million liters of syrup that gets produced in Quebec is controlled through a supply management system with producers receiving quota allotments from the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers, also known as the FPAQ, which also maintains a reserve of syrup. So like, you know, there's oil reserves and gold reserves. There's a maple syrup reserve. The FPAQ... (laughs) was founded in 1966 by a group of maple syrup producers in the Beauceau region in southern Quebec. It was formed in hopes of stabilizing market prices of syrup, shielding maple syrup producers from the pains of a bad harvest. So maple syrup production, from my understanding of it, is it fluctuates a lot year to year. Some years you're just going to get a lot of sap from trees and some years you're not going to. So you're income could really shift depending on the quality of the harvest that year. And by selling collectively, the farmers kind of get protected and shielded from instability like that, which is about the only good thing people have to say about the FPAQ. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Most people in Quebec, Canada, and the rest of the world talk about the FPAQ in a really negative way. So Two journalists at Vice News named Nick Rose and Simon Kotu. They did shout a out to Nick and shout Simon. Shout out. Write a story about if us. If you pronounce it Simon, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but they did an investigation into the highly contested production of maple syrup in Quebec. So 
A barrel of maple syrup. Do you want to guess how much a barrel of maple syrup costs? Like a wine barrel? 50 like liters? That size? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. A barrel of maple syrup. Like, little bottles of maple syrup are expensive. Yeah. I'm going to say a grand. So it's about $2,000. Wow. For a barrel like, of I maple syrup. Like, I thought I was going high. I thought I was highballing <laughs> that. That's insane. So that's, in 2016, would have been 13 times the price of crude oil. <laughs> and the it's basic economic forces. It's literally liquid gold. It's literally liquid Yeah. Gold. <laughs> I, I had no idea how much. Like, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, a little bottle of maple syrup is really expensive. But it's $2,000 for a barrel of maple syrup. And they're producing 30 million liters that's, a year. That's insane. Like, that's, that's crazy. Not, Wow. It's just syrup. It's just syrup. It's just like for for food. It's a compliment to food. It's not even necessary. Imagine like if ketchup was worth two thousand oh dollars a God. barrel. I would be broke. <laughs> I mean I'd be really sad because I put ketchup on a lot oh, of stuff. Oh I love but... ketchup. So you would think that basic economic forces would dictate really fierce competition. So there would be a lot of producers trying to get in on the maple syrup industry, and that would gradually lower the price. So, I mean, that's 101 economics from what I remember One would from high think, school yes. economic classes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> However, the FPAQ is essentially a state-sanctioned monopoly that fixes the price of maple syrup and imposes production quotas on producers and then stockpiles what's left in what's called the Global Strategic Maple Syrup Reserve. Say that one more time. The Global Strategic, the global strategic maple, maple Syrup, syrup reserve. reserve. It's global, <laughs> it's strategic, and it's a maple syrup reserve. It's everything you wow. ever want. It's also not global because it's only in Quebec. And as we'll get into, it's also not that strategic. But, but, but anyways. let's just say, like, that's... That's so Quebec. <laughs> it's so, yeah, so Quebec. And in true Quebec fashion, they of hate, course. <laughs> everyone in the Quebec media hates FPAQ. Uh, uh, yeah, the media regularly refers to it as the maple syrup cartel. They're also being compared to OPEC. So OPEC is like the maple syrup reserve, but oil. Oh, God. Yeah. So how does the FPAQ work? I just imagine, so so I imagine a bunch of men walking yes. around in, like, men in black suits with little silver briefcases <laughs> that they, like, open up, and then there's, like, six bottles of maple syrup shaped, shaped like the maple leaf, you know, those little corny ones, and then they just, like... It's, like, yeah, like a briefcase that they open up, and they're, like, are these the goods that you were looking for? They're, like, that'll be satisfactory. Yeah, they clap yeah their clothes, exactly. And then they, like, hand it that off. That is exactly yeah. what I'm imagining. Yeah, I mean, from the pictures I saw, it's a lot of kind of large Quebec men in black. Oh, interesting. But, uh, I think they could, like, rebrand. <laughs> like, let's get kind of the cartel mentality. Just own it rather than yeah. reject it. Let's let's get sleazy. Let's get sleazy. A lot of slick tear, linen suits. I love it. A lot of briefcases. A lot of pinky briefcases rings. full of yeah. loose maple pinky syrup. rings with like, like not little even maple all. leaves on it's them. Just liquid maple syrup. Kiss the <laughs> ring. Kiss the ring. Come closer. Kiss the ring. Come closer. 
<laughs> you come to me on the day of my maple syrup wedding. <laughs> Can you imagine maple syrup themed wedding? <laughs> That'd be terrible. That'd be- Terrible. But I, I love the idea of loose liquid maple syrup in like a not at all airtight briefcase. <laughs> so you're just carrying around a briefcase and it's just dripping and oozing maple oh, syrup as you go. But you have to be really serious and professional about it. Ugh. That's comedy that gold. That is comedy gold. We just created <laughs> a vision. We have our Halloween gold. costumes. I'm ready. We can go as agents of the FPAQ. Yeah, I love it. Ugh. So, how does the FPAQ work? The Federation maintains stable prices for consumers and producers by forcing maple syrup producers in Quebec to pool their product and sell collectively. So, it's illegal to sell syrup in Quebec, not through the FPAQ. You have to be a member of it. That's Um, wild. Yeah. So, if you want to sell maple syrup in quantities more than five liters in Quebec, it's illegal. (laughs) So, there are... I don't know. It's just maple syrup. Like, I can't emphasize that enough. It's so ridiculous to me. (sighs) Anyways, so there's 13,500 producers in Quebec, and there's only 10 major bulk buyers in the world who purchase 90% of the global supply of maple syrup. All of the maple syrup is collectively sold to the market, and any excess is put into the reserves. The key to the Federation's ability to keep stable prices are its mandatory quota system that producers must oblige by. So essentially the way that it works is that if if the quota was like a thousand liters, if you produce any more than that, you have to give it, you have to give all of it to the FPAQ. But the FPAQ is only going to sell the thousand liters that you that they gave you in the quota. And the rest of it is going to go into the reserve. And you're not going to make any money off of that until it gets sold. That just sounds so shady. Yeah, and heads producers hate it. Because if I can produce 1,500 liters of maple syrup in a year, I want to make the money off that extra 500 liters. But I can't until the FPAQ decides to sell it. And by keeping all of that maple syrup off of the market, they artificially inflate the price of off maple of syrup. Off of the market. By... Like the fact that there's a maple syrup market. <laughs> that is wild. I know. So the FPAQ, they make money by taking a tax off of every barrel. So they're going to keep $54 for every barrel that gets sold. And that's a tax that pays for like advertising and testing the recipes and then the upkeep of the reserve. Okay. So the FPAQ makes money that way by essentially skimming off the top of every barrel sold. So the price is artificially inflated by the FPAQ and the value of the product does not immediately benefit small producers like farmers it could be years before their product actually gets sold, at which point they would get any revenue right. from it. And the FPAQ stresses that this is all necessary to prevent the fluctuation of prices, which would inevitably wipe out small producers. And the president of the FPAQ, his name is Sarge Bolia, uh, he of told Vice that there's the nothing... Same. Of course, <laughs> his, his name, name is, is Sarge. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he told them that... There's nothing immoral or illegal about their operations. The provincial government oversees the, the price fixing. 
he did state that, yes, we all get together and sell our product, and that's why it's called a cartel sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine. He's like, yeah. It's just, it just like, <laughs> learning about this stuff just makes me think about all the crap that the, like, prime minister and the government have to think about. Like, this is probably just such a thorn in Justin Trudeau's side. He's, like, probably, like, <laughs> yesterday, he's, like, you know... There was this horrible, this horrible shooting in Nova Scotia. We're in the middle of, of quarantine and our, our entire country. And, oh, God, I've got my meeting with the freaking maple syrup cartel. And <laughs> and I have to somehow keep the FPAQ <laughs> They're happy. They're going to make me take How this How am I expected call. to juggle all these things? People are accusing me of not social distancing because I wanted to go see my wife. <laughs> and I had to grow a beard. <sighs> Dude's having a rough go. <laughs> Speaking of the federal government, so despite the president of the FPAQ asserting that that there's nothing immoral, there's nothing illegal about their activities, uh, the federal government launched an investigation into the FPAQ, and they appointed Florette Gagné, who was the former head of the province's police force, to lead it. Gagne's report was, in many respects, scathing. He called the Federation out for using heavy-handed tactics and described their regime as autocratic and a reign of fear. Oh my god. It's all about syrup. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just, like, (laughs) it's so stupid. It just makes me me hate maple syrup even more. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to benefit the FPAQ. Buy local. If you're going to buy maple syrup, which... Do it local. <laughs> the operations of the FPAQ are widely despised by maple syrup producers in Quebec. Defying the FPAQ can result in the Federation seizing the producer's harvest or placing them under really strict injunctions. So the Federation has been known to come down hard on bulk producers who refuse to participate in their mandatory distribution system. Forceful tactics like hiring guards to patrol rebellious sugar bushes, so that's the name for a maple syrup farm, they're sugar bushes, to make sure that they don't sell syrup and forcing those producers to pay for the security guards. So they'll like said, that's just so stupid. That is corruption. (laughs) That is such corruption. They've also been known to seize entire year's worth of harvest. So an entire year's worth of syrup and not pay you for it. So that's not uncommon. What? Their strict control over the maple syrup trade has produced a fairly lucrative black market for maple syrup. Were these people not, like, hugged as children? Do these people ever (laughs) reflect on their life? They're like, I (laughs) steal people's maple syrup. That's my job. (laughs) It's so ridiculous to me. (sighs) Oh, man. So... Vice News spoke with uh, an outlaw maple syrup producer. Her name is Nicole Varen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going there. bitch. <laughs> she stated that she understood the quota system was good for producers who didn't have clients to ensure that they have some level of security. Like, she acknowledges that there is some benefit in the collective selling. Right. But she had plenty of clients and could support herself. She stated... But why should I pay? If my clients are happy and I'm not affecting anyone else, I'm not hurting anyone. The Federation already has barrels and barrels full of syrup in the reserve. So 
Furthermore, in Gagne's report, uh, he talks about the inevitable economic failures of this kind of system. So while in the short term it makes you a lot of money, in the long run it's really detrimental to maple syrup producers in Quebec. Yeah. He stated... (laughs) Yeah. Producers in provinces are being asked to limit their production. Meanwhile, in Ontario, New Brunswick, and the United States, they can make as much as they want. It's like being in a race where we're walking and others are running. Sure, Quebec still is way ahead of the pack in terms of production, but they are going to catch up at this rate. We have to be as competitive as markets who use free market systems. So he brings up a really important point, which is that Quebec currently has the largest share of the global market. But in the northeast of the United States, there's almost three times as many sugar maples as there are in Quebec. So those producers can go out, produce as much syrup as they want. And because the FPAQ inflates the price artificially, they can sell their syrup at a really, really high price, but be selling way more of it. Right. So there's just no like natural economic... And when they stop injecting each other with bleach, uh, (laughs) they'll be able to take over all the maple trees and make more maple syrup than us. Definitely. So the most notorious example of the maple syrup black market arose in 2011 when a group of men partook in what is now called the Great Maple Syrup Heist. Have you heard about the Great Maple Syrup Heist? I believe, yes, I have heard of it. Because it was so outrageous and ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it was a news story. People talked yeah. about it. But I never really read too much into exactly. it. Because it's just So, yeah, so like, rough. I remember it being on the news and stuff and just being like, this is ridiculous. But now I'm like, <laughs> I am so on their side. <laughs> I hate the FPAQ. <laughs> These men are justified and righteous. Uh, so <laughs> oh God, don't tell me more. I'm excited now. So the International Strategic Reserve uh, is located in a number of warehouses in rural Quebec towns. The first two facilities were in Saint Antoine de Tilly, which holds 3,600 tons of maple syrup, and the second one was in Pleasantville, which holds 1,400 tons. Okay. But 2011 was a year that saw a huge excess in the production of maple syrup. So the FPAQ needed to buy another warehouse to expand the International Reserve. Right. And so they picked a third warehouse in St. Louis de Blanford, which holds 4,500 tons of syrup. Huh. When the Federation rented the space in 2011, they acknowledged that there was very minimal security at the warehouse. So there's no cameras, there's no alarms, but in their defense, they stated they couldn't have imagined someone would want to steal maple syrup. They're just like, why would anyone steal it? We don't need security. (laughs) But maple syrup is a really great black market item. So once you get over the logistics of like how to ship it and, and who to sell it to, because I don't know who's buying a whole barrel of maple syrup. Uh, but anyways, a, ba- a barrel well, is really Walt valuable. Disney World. It's Walt <laughs> <Yeah>. Disney World. <laughs> it's just Walt Disney in his The Walt like, Disney World. They sold it to Walt Disney World. He's frozen. Um, oh, yeah. Walt Disney he's is frozen. frozen. Yeah. Yeah. They defrost him just so he can have he can inject maple syrup and then he goes back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> he was a Nazi. Anyways, uh, maple syrup <laughs> is similar to crude oil in the sense that it's untraceable. So 
once maple syrup is produced, you can't test it to determine where it came from. So once it's out of Quebec, you can never prove that it was maple syrup taken from the FPAQ. So it's a really great black market item. So the new warehouse that was being rented by the FPAQ was partly owned by the wife of a man named Avic Caron. And Caron knew that there was opportunity to make money off the product being stored in his wife's warehouse, but he needed to find a way to sell it without the FPAQ knowing. Okay. So Caron enlisted the help and expertise of a man named Richard Vallier, who was a longtime barrel roller. So <laughs> barrel rollers are people who buy and sell syrup directly from producers in Quebec, at bypassing the federal. The fact so that, he's an illegal that maple syrup thing. producer. Is yeah. <laughs> hysterical to me. <laughs> he's an illegal label syrup seller. I, and I know a guy. He's a he's a barrel don't worry, roller. I got like, connections. What? So Richard's father Raymond was also heavily involved, along with an out of province syrup reseller named Etienne Saint Pierre. So that's our crew. We've got our team together. Okay. So. The plan was that they were going to rent out a space in the warehouse to avoid suspicion as to why they were always around the place. Right. And they hired the services of a truck driver named Sebastian Jutris. And the scheme worked like this. So a few barrels of maple syrup from the reserve would be taken from the warehouse at a time. So they're only ever going to take like a handful of barrels at once. Right. Then the maple syrup would be moved out of Quebec where it could be more easily resold without the watchful eye of the FPAQ. Okay. So they take the syrup out of the province. They then take the syrup out of the FPAQ barrels and put them in their own barrels. So now it's unlisted, it's unmarked. Nice. And the FPAQ barrels are filled with water and brought back to the warehouse. As to not have any missing barrels. I like this. Exactly. So that's the way the operation ran. And it ran pretty smooth, smoothly for about a year. So there's a woman named Crystal Ferreira who taught a class all about the heist. So she's, she taught a class at an institution called Polyhistoria that is entirely about this particular heist. Um, and she mentioned that allegedly, according to court documents, a guard caught them stealing the maple syrup pretty early on into the operation, but okay. was bribed to keep quiet. But other than that, that's like the only hiccup in the plan for about a year until everything falls apart in July of 2012. So the team started getting lazy and they weren't refilling the barrels with water. So they were just dumping the barrels and then bringing empty barrels back. And during an FPAQ inspection, uh, an inspector named Michel Garvero was climbing on top of the barrels so he could reach some of the barrels that were at a higher level. And the barrels, when they're full, weigh about 600 pounds. So he was pretty suspicious when the barrel almost fell over under his weight. He's just like, this isn't right. So he then inspects the barrels and discovers it's empty. And then he goes on to realize that dozens of the barrels are either empty or they are filled with water. So the police later recovered hundreds of barrels of syrup from the exporter uh, Etienne St. Pierre, who was based in Kedjewick, New Brunswick. In total, they had stolen 3,000 tons of syrup, and that was worth about $18.7 million. And 
this was in 2012 and 2011. Right. The Canadian dollar yeah. was basically on par with the American dollar. That so is a it's like lot. a lot of money. <laughs> 26 people were arrested in connection with the heist. Uh, Richard Vallier was accused as the ringleader and he was sentenced in April 2017 to eight years in prison plus a $9.4 million fine. And if the fine is not paid, he'll face an extension of 14 years in prison. That's crazy. However, Vallier insisted that he didn't want to steal the syrup. In court, he testified that he was forced to steal syrup from the Federation and replace it with water by a man at gunpoint. So apparently some guy forced him to steal all this syrup at gunpoint. And the man told him, I know where you live. Valier also said that the man who was forcing him to steal syrup has connections to the mafia, which really brings this whole story full circle. It does. (laughs) The mafia is involved in maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his father was also sentenced and all of the other kind of main ringland leaders, not as much as Richard. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's the story of the great maple syrup heist and the, the negative impacts of the FPAQ in Quebec maple syrup that's production. That's crazy. <laughs> this is wild. Who knew? I this know. This is it's not just, something I've ever knew? thought about. It's who knew and who cares? Like, yeah. it's... Yeah. It's, like, so We care. Weird. And like, we hope you will care, too, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that it's all about maple syrup. Yeah. Like, you start with just this nice little food product, and you find a way to ruin it for everybody. That's corruption. That's... Yeah. I know. It does make me not want to buy syrup from Quebec anymore. Right. And I'm also now remembering that I'm pretty sure I have a fam like family members in Colchester who have a sugar shack, but I'm pretty sure they're more locally known for like making moonshine. Like <laughs> Okay. It's just a front. <laughs> it's just a front. The sugar shack is just a front. Yeah. <laughs> it's always dirty. Maple syrup, there's nothing wholesome about it. Nope. You thought anybody who thought maple syrup was wholesome, they thought wrong. You're wrong. It's, it's like tainted. the most can- yeah, it's it's just tainted. Ruined maple syrup for everyone forever. Yep. Thanks, you guys. I don't like it anymore. You're welcome. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> so that's the story of maple syrup production in Quebec, which that should be the subject of a heritage minute. Like Yeah. The maple syrup heist. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see any more people wandering through the woods learning how to make maple syrup. I want maple syrup cartel closing down on a illegal sugar bush. Exactly. Farm, I'm imagining them. Pulling weapons. I'm imagining them in like all black, and that he does the classic like spy move where they dangle you from the ceiling, and then you like drop down, and right before you hit the ground, you're like. Whoo- Hard stop. Classic. Like spider down. And then (laughs) they hop up and then they go and they steal the maple syrup. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be more like a jewel house. Yes. Rather than uh, just some dudes loading up some barrels on a Exactly. And then driving it out of province. And then getting lazy. (laughs) Billions, millions of dollars. I know. And they just got lazy. Really? If they had just. Yeah. If they had just continued to fill the barrels with water, I don't think they would have gotten caught. At least not for a couple years. Because like. 
the point of the reserve is they don't dip into it yeah. unless they have to. And some years you do and some years you don't. So Boneheads. Yeah. That's Big like, boneheads. Just fill it with water. So, yeah, I guess the, the lesson of this <laughs> podcast, this episode, is that don't yeah. get lazy. And if you want to steal maple syrup, yeah, like make sure that you're filling the barrels yeah. with water. Those are some really good lessons. But yeah, don't get lazy. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of The Minute Women. Remember, we told you today we have a website. So please go check it out. www.minutewomenpodcast.ca Also, remember to give us a like, a follow, and don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. So other than the website, you can follow us on Instagram at Minute Women Podcast or on Facebook, same handle. And you can also find us on Twitter at The Minute Women. Yeah. Thanks for so much for listening. Bye. Bye.